Thank you. Thank you much. Hey, we wound up listening to them play Come Just As You Are. And in a few minutes, as we complete the service today, our time of worship, we'll be singing Just As I Am. So the reality, I believe, is that God wants us to understand that we don't have to get dressed up or we don't have to get fixed up in order to come to Him. We can come like we are. And when I say that, uh, some people have thought for the longest that I had to clean up my life in order to come to Him. No, He said, come to me and I will clean up the life. Genesis chapter 32 Genesis chapter 32. Let me ask you if you have your Bibles to take that. If you're following along with your uh, smartphone, you can also uh, utilize that uh, with the church app and you can see uh, the notes of the morning service, okay? If not, follow us with PowerPoint. I want to take the next few minutes and preach to you from the subject of wrestling with God. Wrestling with God. Much to uh, your surprise, if you search for that word in the Bible, wrestling or wrestled, what you would find is there are a few instances where literally in the English language that word is used. Now, there are many instances, however, in the Scripture where people were contending with God or were wrestling with God and they did not use that word. However, today, we're going to see that. We'll see it in the life of Jacob, and we'll likewise see it in another couple of instances, uh, like Hannah when she was praying for a man-child, and then also Rachel when she was uh, wrestling with her sister concerning uh, position in the family. Now, as we read today, verses 24 through verse 28 is what you'll be reading uh, there uh, that is posted on PowerPoint. Verses 29 through 32, we'll read those with you uh, a little later. Beginning now, Genesis 32, 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled uh, with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and have or hast prevailed. Now, let me just share with you today uh, for a moment as we introduce the subject matter. I believe uh, that all of us at some point uh, have wrestled uh, with the Lord. Now, maybe you're not today, but in the past, quite possibly, you can remember some instances in which... uh, You and God uh, were doing what we call business, okay? The reality of that is that our lives have not always lined up with the perfect will of God. And as a result of that, God uh, will allow things uh, to come into our lives uh, that will cause us to seem to be at odds uh, 
And God will use that to bring us either back to where we belong or even uh, lead us in the future where we should be. So when I thought about wrestling with the Lord, I was thinking how many may wrestle with the Lord concerning a vocation. Yes, there are people like myself in the past who struggled uh, quite possibly with, Lord, what would you have me do? However, there were times maybe when God has spoken clearly on what He would have you do, and as a result of that, there would be some what I call silence uh, and a time period in which the Lord would uh, allow you to work through the process. Some, likewise, have struggled with the Lord concerning location. Now, location is very important, people tell me, and I can vouch for that because sometimes where the Lord calls you to move away, uh, you, you quite possibly aren't ready to go there. And as a result of that, the Lord will take some uh, pleasure in allowing you to struggle with that, but yet I call it a struggle forward, okay? Others uh, struggle with other things uh, uh, to the point that we literally wrestle it out with the Lord. Now, we don't get in the floor necessarily, and we don't tie our uh, necks together, and we wrestle like they would on a high school wrestling mat, but yet and still, we wrestle it out with the Lord through uh, sometimes our spirit. Now, in Genesis chapter 30, verse 8, it says, And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. Now, the reality of that, and we'll speak to it later in the, in the morning, is that uh, Rachel was Jacob's first love. He thought he was serving seven years for her, which turned into be another seven. So 14 years he served for this woman, his wife Rachel. Well, seven years previous, Laban, the father of these two girls, would reward Jacob after seven years of service with Leah, who was not whom Jacob thought he was serving for. Well, Leah produces children with Jacob, and now we find that Rachel is barren and uh, nothing comes forth uh, from her womb. So as a result of that, there's contention between Rachel and Leah, and the Scripture, Rachel calls it wrestlings. Now, we know again... Surely they did not get down in the sand and, and lock necks and see who could battle it out. But it was almost like every day or every, every family reunion or every sight that Rachel and Leah would just sort, of, just sort of work it out. Ladies and gentlemen, it all started with Jacob. You know, the reality of where we're going today is, number one, it happened because of a compromised position. You say, preacher, are all wrestling with the Lord because of a compromised position? And I would answer that, maybe no. But the reality in most of our lives has been that when the Lord has spoken, quite possibly, we haven't all listened well. However, in Jacob's life, it started real early. 
the Scripture tells us that to uh, Jacob, uh, uh, his father Isaac, and, and then we learn from all of this that Jacob developed a pattern early in his life that would go with him even through the point of which we're reading. First of all, he compromised his position with his father. Now the Scripture tells us that Esau is the one that has the birthright. Well, Esau was going to get the uh, larger portion, but Esau uh, and Jacob would later strike a deal, and Jacob would get the birthright. Well, in order for all of that to transpire, the Scripture tells us that we had to somehow get through Isaac in order for that to happen. Isaac being the father, Isaac, if I remember correctly, not having uh, all of the uh, uh, necessary use of his eyes that he would like. And uh, the Scripture tells us that Jacob comes along and he, and he deceives his father. Now maybe you're here today and it's going to make you reminisce a little bit and you're probably going to think about things of your childhood or your adolescence or maybe your young adulthood and you're going to say, Hey preacher, you're reminding me of a time when I... No, that's not what I'm wanting to do today. But I want you to understand that in our lives uh, sometimes it is possible that that compromising position began to happen years ago, decades ago. And God is wanting to work that out of us. He compromised there with his father. The compromise was there with his brother. As I paraphrase, what happened is Jacob uh, and Esau uh, were there together and Esau comes in from the field one day and he's hot and he's tired and Jacob has a bowl of stew and he's eating and, and, and Esau uh, said, give me some stew and Jacob said, not on me. And the story tells us that, Abraham, I mean, that I, not Isaac, but Jacob and Esau struck a deal. And Esau said, I'll give you the birthright for a bowl of stew. And they struck that deal. And what happened is, it was a compromising position. Not only with the father, but now he's compromised his position with his brother. And then later he leaves town under the instruction of his family. And lo and behold, he gets uh, on the other side of the desert and he works for a man named Laban who just so happens to be his uncle. And the scripture tells us that he still uses deception there. Now, let me ask you something. Is there a time in your life, past, present, in which you realize that you lived some compromise? And the reason I ask you that is because I want you to ask the greater question. Am I still wrestling with that compromise? Ladies and gentlemen, we go through this thing called life. We sort many things out in our minds. We have lots of things in our hearts. But it really boils back down to this. Is my heart right with God? and with other people. Barrenness. It all started in Jacob's life because he didn't have all he wanted. And as a result of that, that barrenness caused him to be deceptive. 
barrenness can lead to brokenness. I could show you in Scripture, in Rachel's case that I read to you earlier, there in chapter 30, verse 8, when Rachel could not bear children, the Scripture tells me that she wrestled with her sister who had had many children at this point. Barrenness leads to bitterness. Yes, they had grown bitter. Rachel had become a bitter woman to her sister. The Scripture tells me that bitterness in, in other places, uh, we find it in 1 Samuel 1 and 10, where Hannah could not have a man-child, and she cried out to God one day, and the uh, persons near her thought she was drunk, but she said that she was in bitterness of soul. Has anybody ever happened by your prayer room where you and God were doing business? And they thought that maybe somebody in your family had died because you were weeping so because of bitterness that you was trying to work out of your life. Barrenness leads to battles. Ultimately, this story today began with a compromised position. Now, I look back in my thesaurus and I look back in the concordance and it talks of the word that is used here is literally struggling or figuratively or even morally torturous. So as we look at that today, remember that we can see barrenness in the real world, I call it, or the social world. You can find that barrenness is in the spirit world. You can find that this is also in the spiritual or in the spirited world as well. There's three times in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 13 alone where it says there that Nehemiah would have to contend, which in literal, in the English word, we could see that that contention or wrestling would be similar when he had to contend with the rulers of the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob wrestled with God. Do you say, Preacher, I, I just really don't see that yet, but I hope you'll listen and I hope you'll follow me for the next few minutes because we really want to see what happens in a life that begins with a compromised position and see how that God works that out of our lives. Now, I could tell you all about men in the Old Testament and ladies alike who have lived similarly. I thought about Adam. We don't have to even look no deeper at that, do we? You know what, Adam, he lived a compromised life. And what happened? God looked him up that evening and said, Adam, where are you? Where art thou? I think about Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah was told by the prophet one day that he was going to die and not live. And Hezekiah, he went to the Lord about that. And he said, now, hey, Lord, I need a few extra years. Now, that's a paraphrase. Don't go home and repeat that. But he said, I need some more years. And the Scripture said God granted him his request. But you remember what happened during that next uh, part of those years was he got a little proud. And he began to show people what he had and what was around. And it just comes to my mind that what happened is Hezekiah made the mistake that many of us make. Hezekiah didn't show people what had what he had, Hezekiah began to show people what had him. You know what, folks? It's possible today that you're consumed 
with the life that you're living, and it happens with preachers as well. And sometimes we contend with the Lord about it. See, it began with a compromised position. As I think about that, as we study further, it moves from a compromised position to there's a critical persuasion. In Genesis chapter 32, we find again in verse 24, it said, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, if you stop reading right there, you could just assume that Jacob was wrestling with just any man. You could have a sense of thinking that one day down at the market, they agreed on a price for something and, you know, the seller began to break the vow and they just got in the sand and tussled it out. But this isn't what happened there. The scripture later tells us that Jacob literally wrestled with God. Now what you read there is something that happened in Jacob's life after the 20 years or more of service. Jacob had served seven years and for his time when he was promised Rachel, Laban gave him Leah. Jacob was then told by Laban, if you'll serve me seven more years, I'll give you Rachel, the one that you asked for in the beginning. Well, he served seven years. Laban did give him uh, Rachel. Then he serves uh, seven more years. Uh, and, and the scripture said that that's when he got cattle and he got possessions. You say, well, boy, he had a, he had a lot of life there. And he could be like the rich farmer in the, in the Gospel of Luke when he could have just said, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Well, there was another case in, in uh, his life here. And the Scripture tells me in chapter 32, verse 9, that uh, the Lord had said something to him. And what that is, it said, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidst unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I'll deal with thee. See, after those 20 years or 21 years or so, the Lord told Jacob, It's time to go back. Now, if you remember the story well, Jacob had swindled his brother out of his birthright. Or let me say he bought it from him. But now the Scripture tells us that God is saying, go back. And what you find in the Scripture I'm reading to you today is Jacob is on his way back. And they have been in that journey on their way back for a few days. And the Scripture tells us that they're now nearing the place that Jacob becomes utterly consumed with the thought that I've got to meet my brother again. And I'm not sure how well he's going to treat me. So he divides up his family. He'll put the concubines here with their kids and there's two of them and then he'll put Leah there with her kids and then in the back he's going to put Rachel. Why? Because Rachel's still the apple of his eye. And what is happening here is that critical word that God gave him was to go back. Friend, can I honestly tell you that some of you might be having similar message from God. 
I can think of times in my life when that message was not saying go back. That message might have been go forward. And when God speaks to us, I think He can do three things with that. Number one, it can help refocus us. You ever come to a place in your life that you just seem not to be in the bubble, I call it. Now around here, we've got a, got a little joke with that. When we would build a little project around the church, somebody would say, where's the level? Well, you know, we had been known not to use one. And one of our other fellows told us one day when we asked for the level, he said, well, it's in the bubble. Sometimes our life, it's not in the bubble. You know what? That focus gets off, and God will use times like this to help us refocus. God will also use times like this to help us in the sense that He'll refine us. Now, friend, I don't know if you realize it or not, and I haven't said much about it today, but over the last 14 months, not only has America and the world and the entire world been in a time of transition with the pandemic, but I want to tell you something. Your local church has as well. I'm excited to see some of you. Some of you, it's your first day back. Some of you, it might be your second or your tenth or your fourteenth. Let me tell you something. It's been a time to refocus. It's been a time to refine us. But also, what God really wants to do is refire us. You know, when you stop to really think about it, it's pretty easy to lose, to lose focus. And it's also very easy that we forget that we need God to refire us. Jacob, over his lifetime, was in a position, I think, to refocus, and God was refining him, and now it's where the rubber meets the road, it's where the heart meets the will. And, Abra- and we find that Jacob's got to decide what to do. And the Scripture tells us that while the family has been prepared back here, lest the army of his brother Esau comes and begins to destroy his family, that that night the Scripture said Jacob was left alone. It wasn't him and the family. Jacob was in a different place at the moment. And he wrestled with the Lord. You ever had sleepless nights? And you just knew God was speaking to your heart? I call it, have you ever had a naughty pillow? And you just couldn't find a way to rest your head? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you knew you were contending with what you wanted to do versus what God said do? Friend, that's, that's a hard spot. There are no casual confrontations with the Lord. They all have meaning. What are you struggling with, possibly? So I could tell you some of my struggles, but I don't have time. I could chart it back real early, not even, not even in the latter teens of my life. I could carry you back into my childhood that I did not realize were struggles until I began to mature in the Lord and I look back and I see the pattern of where God had saw I was and how God 
orchestrated the event to get me where I am. See, there's got to be a critical persuasion. With God, there is contemplation. See, God had said, go back. He has to think through this process to a place he's ready. With God, there is confrontation. That's where he's at tonight. He's there wrestling with the Lord. That's the contention as well, I would call that. Some wrestle with a, con- uh, with a conversion. Some wrestle with a call. Others wrestle with commitment. But let me tell you, in the end, there can be completion. And the Scripture tells us that it happened in Jacob's life, that God brought a good end to this. See, it started there with what? Simply, he did not realize it early on, but there was a compromised position. Now we're going to wind up and see that there's a continual portrait, I call it. There's something before him all the time from this time forward. I illustrate with the fact that if you go in almost anybody's home, in the living area, and you look around the walls, what you're going to find is pictures everywhere, aren't you? Unless the husbands have taken them down. Because you hung them, you know where they are. What are those portraits? They're forever reminders of where we used to be. Very few pictures would be of where we want to be. And the reason is because we haven't dreamed that far. Friend, God gives Jacob a portrait as well as the country. And it says there, Jacob in the end in 32.26 said, Let me go. Or the one he's wrestling with said, Let me go. The day breaks. And he said, I'll not let you go except you bless me. Boy, this is that tenacity that Jacob had. I'm not turning you loose until you bless me. And he said, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince you have power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the place of that, or the name of that place, Penal. For I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. You know what Jacob's portrait was? Everywhere he went, he walked with a limp. You ever saw anybody you just say, well, I wonder what caused that? I wonder what happened there. The people knew that Jacob had been with God because Jacob's life was forever changed. Church, can I ask you something? Would you be willing to do business with the King, Jesus, in order that you might be like Him? I confess to you, I don't mind telling you, the last 14 months of my life has been, my apple cart's been upset. 
You say, why? It's been that much harder? Not really. But I've been contending with the Lord with some things. And you know, when I stop and admit this to you, you can make out of it anything you want. But the reality is still the same. When you really want to do what God tells you to do, and you really set your heart to obey rather than have your own will, what happens is there's going to be a confrontation. You can call it wrestling like Jacob did, or contention like the Scripture calls it. But hey, there's nothing else to do but yield your will to God's will and do what he said. You know what? Jacob went back. And you know what Jacob found? He found that Esau had blessings beyond blessings. And matter of fact, as Esau's men were coming to meet Jacob's men, that they were bringing offerings to Jacob rather than curses. Let me tell you something. The tomorrows that God has us working toward are far greater than the worries that we pass on that we're concerned about. Will you bow your head? Maybe you're here. Maybe you're one of those. You may be contending, struggling. Maybe trying to figure it out. You know, the reality of that is this. Just be obedient. Obey. God might be calling some of you to salvation. And He's probably been trying to get your number for a long time. And He's calling you to Himself. Friend, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And He lives for you. And He's calling you to live for Him. Father, thank You so much. Lord, the message today has not been for them, it's been for us. Because, Lord, there are times in my life when I need to refocus. I need to be refined and I need to refire. And, Lord, I believe there are others here today just like me. And like in the days of Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord, the Scripture tells me he was blessed through it all. Draw people to yourself. Restore people as people even come to you and rededicate their lives today. In Jesus' name.